Auto Line This Week is underwritten in part by... In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Welcome to AutoLine This Week. Hey, what's your interior of your car going to look like in the future? That's the topic on today's show. And joining me on today's show are three experts in the field, including Rick Comiskey, the NAFTA director for a company called Optus, which has got some fascinating software. We'll get into that in a minute. Han Hendricks is the vice president of advanced product development at the supplier company JCI. And Crystal Wyndham is the Interior Design Director at General Motors, and I want to thank you all for having joined us here on AutoLine this week. Crystal, I'm going to start with you. It seems to me that interior design is getting far more attention and money. You don't have to do it with magic anymore. You can spend it on getting the right materials and the like. But what would you say, in order of uh, importance, top three goals right now, what is GM really trying to achieve with its interiors? Right. Well... In general, uh, our interiors are the excellent uh, starting point to really build that relationship with the customer. And you can do it in a number of ways. One, making sure that you pick the right materials and interfaces for your customer. Also, the technology integration, that's something that we're playing very close attention to, making sure that we can really maximize the spaciousness and the different connectivity that's expected in our customer base. And also, the surprise and delight features, I would say. Storage opportunity, lighting really setting the mood for our interiors. So doing all of this together, but really paying close attention to the brand, our customer, and that global perspective. Han, JCI is one of the biggest, maybe the biggest interior supplier in the world. What are automakers telling you from all over the world the kinds of things that they want to see going into interiors now? Yeah, I think so. Crystal already highlighted a number of really important things. Um, For us also, light weighting is very important. And probably also not a surprise, our customers tell us that we have to be best cost in everything. Cost is an important thing also in the interior. Because the range of the interior pricing is increasing as well. So where it used to be a range of $5,000, it's a range of $15,000 in an average vehicle. So cost is important too. That's got to be difficult to do. Make it more beautiful, make it lighter, and oh, by the way, do it for less money. That's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll get into some of that too. Rick, your company's got some amazing software, Optus, that amongst a a number of other things, can capture the reflection that might be in the windshield or the side glass or other parts of the car. Run us through that a little bit. Right, yeah, and I think as Crystal said, the surprise and delight, right, from interior lighting, I think that uh, the OEMs in particular want to not have it delight them by being in the glass systems or reflecting in sort of different ways where it's offensive to the driver or their perception of other things that are going on when they're driving the vehicles. So uh, the technology that we provide helps the OEMs really integrate 
that surprise and delight into their vehicles. And the, the reflections that I see in cars will be maybe part of the navigation system or the gauges or, or the chrome rings on the vents get reflected in the side windows and the glass. And we've all lived with this, but you've got the software to solve that. Right, exactly. I mean, I think it's one of those things where drivers have just accepted it and not realized that from the design side, there's a way to solve these types of problems very early in the design cycle. So um, the OEMs have become uh, very interested in using our technology to solve exactly the problems that you've highlighted there. Clearly, the, the influence is to go to high-end design, chrome around the HVAC vents or other flashy interior trim and materials using a, a brighter color than black for the IP. Uh, the Optus technology is enable, an enabler, so it, it helps them do that. Crystal, let's go back to the customer. You say mm -hmm. you want to surprise and delight them. You want to have the best interior possible for them. What is it that the human eye sees that goes, ah, oh, this is beautiful, this is great? <laughs> well, not only see, but also feel the touch. So when you get in, making sure that you have comfortable seats, making sure that you have nice, soft uh, interfaces on your door pads, uh, steering wheels, shifters. So the high use areas, making sure that you have just the right materials there. Um, as far as making things pop out, you want the right things to pop out. I think that's a good conversation with the bright work and being able to plan ahead. That was a key thing that, that Rick was pointing out, being able to plan ahead with those jewelry-like features and placing them properly in the interior. But I think lastly, again, the technology piece of that is, is a big part of it. Explain what you mean by technology. Well, technology, What to watch the packaging of technology get a lot smaller really enables a lot of design flexibility. I'll use the 2014 Impala for an example. The uh, screen was packaged a lot smaller, so that really enabled storage behind that screen. So what you mean is, literally, you're putting a flat screen yes. on the instrument panel Absolutely. or the console of a car. So, really so, so you've got more room behind it to put things Absolutely. Now. More storage for the customer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what about, you know, everyone says, oh, you have to pick the right materials. What's the right materials? And I've got to believe for different kinds of buyers, different material. You know, what might work for one kind of buyer, another would right. be turned off Absolutely. by. Absolutely. I mean, we, we look at our segment that we're designing for. We look at that customer base and that region and how they utilize their vehicle. For example, uh, on the, I would say, emerging markets, uh, the use in their vehicle will be different from, let's say, an Impala in, in the United States. So picking out materials that are a little bit easier to clean versus being more luxurious, um, there's a big bandwidth of opportunity. Han, I'm sure all the different automakers that JCI deals with gets all kinds of input from them. Right. But I gotta believe you bring ideas to the auto companies Absolutely. too. Where do you get your ideas and what kinds of things are you showing them these days? Right, yeah, we, we have our own consumer research activity and we, we regularly do our own studies in globally and we, we recently completed a study that we did in North America, Europe and Asia, um, specifically looking at three themes that we believe are gonna be important in the future also impacting the interior. The first one is around the future of China luxury. China is already a very important luxury market. I think it's number one. The luxury brands sell in China. So what used to be BMW and Daimler setting the tone for what is luxury in vehicles, we think that China is gonna have a global input impact. The other one is around mega city small cars. In 2025, um, more than 60% of the global population will live in big cities. Um, 
small cars in big cities, what will the mobility concept be? The whole idea of car sharing will come in as well. So you're not designing an interior for one person or one family, but you're designing an interior that will be used by hundreds of people because they share this car. And the third sort of inspirational vision that we're working on to understand what's coming is around autonomous driving. We believe that when the car starts to drive itself, it will totally change the interior architecture and what people do with their time when they don't have to drive the car. So paint a little bit of a picture for that because I'm a big proponent of, an, uh, proponent of autonomous technology. Right. I, th I think we're still a decade away from fully autonomous cars. Yes. Nonetheless, what's your vision of what the interior might look like? So. We, we talk about that a lot, and we're in the process of creating these use scenarios. And it's depending on what time frame you pick, but if you make it independent of time and you let the designers go with their freedom. So we have Danny. Danny is 30 years old. He is, he is 10 pound overweight. So he's going to use his 40 minutes to work and back to exercise and lose his car. In his car. In his car, <laughs> because he doesn't have to drive. Now you have Crystal. She's a mother of two, and she hates it when she comes home. She has to cook for an hour for her children. She doesn't do that at home anymore. She prepares the meal in the car, because she doesn't have to drive. Comes home, puts it on the table. So you give people time. I think that's also a great value proposition for consumers with autonomous driving. Oh, I love hearing this stuff. Oh, this okay. is wild. Crystal, is General Motors looking that far down the road? Well, at these I tell things? you, I'm intrigued by this conversation, because, you know, the will start turning on the whole interior environment. Right. When I mentioned technology again uh, earlier, how we integrate that technology, we have to be very careful how safe and intuitive that will be exactly. based on our customer base. I mean, totally. we'll have a big range, yes. but it's also intriguing because that environment may look different as yes. far as the seating configuration and how you totally. get in and out of the vehicle. You talked about the, uh, the customer being able to exercise in their vehicle, making sure that they have enough space for that, but yet cargo at the same time. So very intrigued by that. Well, you know, think about it. If the car is going to drive itself, out goes the steering wheel. We don't need that anymore. We don't need a gear shift lever either. We'll get rid of that and the gas pedal and the brake, those can go too. So opens up a lot Absolutely. more of the interior of a car. But we should hasten to add, this isn't going to be in the showrooms just <laughs> right. around the corner. We're, we're talking at least a decade away. Totally. Yeah. Rick, let's go back to uh, using your software. I, I've just driven a couple of cars recently. Uh, I guess I'll name some names. The new Kia Cadenza, which I love. It's got a lot of reflection in it. The new Mazda 6, same thing. Love the car. A lot of reflection in it. Uh, seems to me... Companies really have to get involved at a very early stage to really use your software effectively. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Optus is just kind of emerging, I think, with the OEMs. We have still have quite a ways to go in terms of getting to every department, whether it's human factors, exterior lighting. Uh, the, it, the software is used in a number of capacities. With it's not just for OEMs. reflections. It's not just for reflections. It's for headlamp and tail lamp validation and design of other components, too, as well. But on the reflections point that you speak of, uh, certainly we can address this quite easily with our software, and we do it on a, on a regular basis for most HMI uh, departments for OEMs. If there are reflections, they're, they're relatively easy to get rid of, but you need to do it earlier than later. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people wake up to that problem after the buck has hit the road and they realize that we've got exotic trim here and it's, we put the mirrors on and there's the reflection. So. And it's always harder to go back and try to fix yeah, something once it's been tooled. Absolutely. So we say right at the end of design, when you've got that design and you've done that rendering, you think you have a, a terrific looking car, that's the time to do an Optus study. And some of the companies that do this now uh, have been 
very effective with that and being able to cut a lot of costs out because plumbing the whole vehicle, as you know, is uh, that's a very expensive. So if we can get 80% of it out early, we like to do it. Yes. And especially with increased lighting to help create ambiance in the interior, right. that's a great tool. Right, absolutely. I've got to believe, too, there's certain things working against, well, for you guys, needing your software more in the sense that all cars are trying to get more aerodynamic, or the designers are trying to make them more aerodynamic. So as you lean the windshield back, easier to reflect. Mm -hmm. As you get more tumble home in the side glass, more reflection, Absol right? Absolutely. Windshield rake is something that we talk a lot about. So um, it, again, it really depends on the materials. And I think that's the part that people have a misconception about. If you want to use the orange dashboard, you can. I mean, we've seen these cars at the auto show. and. The average person walks up, they don't see it, right? I look at it and I say, okay, there's somebody who needs an optus study. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, um, we can use the orange color. It's all about the optical properties. So we're talking about, and I don't want to get technical for your, your, your readers or, or users here, but uh, I think that you know, the reflectance functions of the material, it's really what we're looking at. It's not, it is color, but there's actually a reflectance function. In other words, you can have a, a black top of the instrument the, the panel and, and still have a shine. Absolutely. Right. So how do you fix that? Well, you have to work with the material scientists to come up with the proper application, to, to the proper formulation for the IP or for a particular chrome component. The other part is we can use geometry too as well. So if we work early, you know, two or three degree shift on, a, on an instrument cluster or, or a nav screen, uh, we can just recess that chrome on the HVAC vent. There's little tricks that we can play, but we don't know what they are unless we do this study to, uh, to really see it. Hmm. Right. Han just mentioned, Crystal, uh, more lighting coming into the car, ambient lighting. There's yeah. so much that can set a mood for a customer getting into their car at night, at least, just with the lighting, isn't Absolutely. there? Absolutely. We're doing a lot of that to really just enhance the overall interior experience and, again, help set the mood. One of the first vehicles that I worked on that introduced the ambient lighting was a, um, a Chevrolet uh, Malibu, and it started with just a pin light from the overhead council. Now with all the, the collaboration with the suppliers and uh, development, now on the 2014 Impala, we shine behind chrome. So in the daytime- Wait, 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 you, you shine behind chrome? Yes. So the, the light so, comes through the chrome? Absolutely, so you have an LED light pipe behind the chrome, so it really utilizes the packaging space very well. So what you're saying the, is during the daylight, it looks like a chrome strip at night, chrome it's strip. actually glowing. Yes. That's cool. Yes. Love it, and it really just, again, helps set the mood, gives it a surprise and delight for the customer. You can tune it so the, the customer can get it at the level that's more comfortable for them, so. Very interesting. Yeah, love it. And Han, obviously, you're getting input from the different automakers to, to put more of this yeah. lighting in cars. Yeah, it's the whole play between light and surface. Light through surface, mm -hmm. what Chris already said, but reflection. Uh, you can do so much with lighting. Different colors, changing colors, different materials. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's really an opportunity to create ambience and personalize. Right. Everybody wants their cars to be well-built. You know, so if we talk about the interior of the car, we want all the stitching nice and neat, and we don't want frayed ends, but right. what can be done from a design standpoint in the interior to improve the perceived quality right. of a car? So consumers don't always can put their finger on why this interior feels high quality and why not. But for example, the gap that's been around since the automobile, the gap between the IP and the door where the two touch. The good automakers, the Audis of this world, um, they, they focus on narrowing that gap five, six millimeters. Others are maybe around 10, 12 millimeters. But 
having that gap close is, for example, a great way to enhance perceived quality. Um, so we're looking, we're, we're, we have our designers and engineers work on a project called Zero Gap Interior, looking at the gaps where it has the highest impact on the end consumer and try, trying to narrow that. But That's one way to create perceived quality in the interior. But gap. can't you do some tricks too where you shingle? Totally. Two Absolutely. things. So instead of trying to get a perfect yes. butt seam together, yep. you just overlay one Absolutely. and then you don't have the issue, yeah. right? Absolutely. And just to add to that, I'm looking at planning ahead yeah. with the theme that you do have. One example on some of our vehicles, we have this wraparound dual cockpit design, yeah. and that really highlights that interface between the IP yes. and door. But recently, we've been able to pocket at the doors with the, the IP nestles into the door yep, to really uh, minimize that, that offset look or the gap. Right. And it really still gives you that continuous flow, but we do it with color right. and we simplify the design. I think simplicity is a big key in getting the perceived quality up the right. way we want it. Yeah, we're working on a suspendable fabric where the IP now actually nests inside the door and the gap yeah. elim is eliminated. Yes. Very nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. And talk a little bit more about materials, too, from a, a touch standpoint, or as the designers say, the hand of the material. Right, right, right. What, what does everybody want these days? So we've seen, we see a trend in, um, in we, we call it katsu wrap, so stitched surfaces mm -hmm. that used to be in the higher segments, very luxurious, Mercedes, uh, uh, Cadillac, mm -hmm. and so forth. But we see that cascading down. Um, we're working with a customer on a D-segment vehicle, so let's Big say Passat, Passat uh, C-Class Mercedes, that level of vehicle, where the original take rate for cut-sew-wrap surfaces in the, uh, in the quote process was 10%, and 12 months into it, um, they upped it to 40%, with Chinese market even doubling that take rate. So the customer wants exactly. this. Exactly. So it's, it's this luxurious premium feel that is cascading down into the lower segments. Small cars, but more luxurious. Right. Crystal, one of the, the, the trends I'm picking up on is I'm seeing much more interesting seams mm -hmm. and stitching. In fact, yes. Cadillac, I think, has its own <laughs> unique stitching, a yes. patented stitch, sure. which I never even thought that we'd see the day of. But right. well, tell us a little bit more of what you're doing in that area. So uh, as far as stitching goes, it's just a, a nice way to convey that this surface is soft and it's high quality. I mean, let's face it, our customers, they expect more. And I think a lot of the fuel economy comes into play that people want a smaller vehicle, but they expect, you know, the higher uh, quality premium uh, materials even within the smaller segment. So stitching and the different processes to support them have uh, found their ways in a, several Chevy products. And it's also a way to um, develop a fashion interior. So really play up and introduce different stitching, maybe two-tone stitching, French versus Dexing. So it really just enables a lot more design flexibility and really gives it a higher quality appearance. So, so regarding this higher quality appearance, you mentioned the collaboration with suppliers. I think what my lessons learned has been uh, also is when suppliers have an opportunity to work early in the development yes. cycle with our OEM customers, we can help make the design themes more manufacturing feasible earlier in the process. Absolutely. So you don't have the changes at the end of the development, sort of compromising the original design theme, but making sure that the craftsmanship perceived quality stays exactly where it should be, very high. Hans, you're, you're absolutely right. I have to say that 
um, as a designer, I really value that collaboration right. with suppliers. We worked with JCI on the Impala, and I have to say, some of the initial feedback from our customers and, and the media right. have been very encouraging. Great. Very encouraging. And we had that type of interface yeah. early on. Perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. We've seen lit seats and, and lit <laughs> floor mats recently, so I know it's, it's getting pushed further and further. I also think with uh, OLED, too, which is interesting. That What's we're talking, OLED? OLED is basically organic LED, so it's flexible. It's a surface that illuminates as opposed to being a small bulb, but we're seeing it now in cars where we're going to light up the trim itself, I mean, or light up the IP itself and be able to change the color of it. So that I think is going to be interesting, especially when we're talking uh, in the headliners. We're seeing sconce lighting where they want to light up or put a glow to the whole inside of the of the cockpit from the from That's got to look liner. awesome. That's got to, I, I can only just imagine it right <laughs> so now. That, that's coming fast. I think you're going to see a lot with OLED. Uh, recently we uh, saw a presentation where somebody was talking about transparent OLED, so they would use it in the sunroof to put a star scene Beautiful. at night. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think a lot of this is, is the next five years. It's, it's going to come very, very quick. Isn't part of the problem of everything that we're talking about here is, I, I, look, I, I test drive probably 100 different cars a year, and almost, almost without exception, when I get inside them, they're either black or beige or gray. And so we're talking about all this exciting design things, and yet we come down to essentially three basic colors in the car. Is that going to change? Oh, absolutely. I think it has changed. <laughs> <laughs> I see uh, with that color combination, you, you you um, make sure that certain customers are taken care of uh, that want the typical colors, but yet we have room for what we call more of a fashion-oriented interior. And so what you can do is just a dash of color here and there, utilizing technologies such as uh, Rich talked about, um, really enables the right placement of that color, tying into stitching and having that come into play. So I think there's absolutely room in the future for adding more colors in our interiors. Han, how do you see it? Yeah, I'm just thinking about three generations of Mercedes B-Class, the decorative trim in that vehicle. So in the first generation, it, there were some plastic parts. In the second generation, it had a variety of different finishes and it was about twice the size. In the recent introduction of the B-Class, the decorative trim surfaces have at least quadrupled in mm -hmm. size since the generation one and the variation that you can get is 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 a lot more so it's it's maybe not on the large surfaces where you see more more neutral colors but putting those personalized accents mm -hmm. in the interior a lot of variation and light as well coming in today yeah, light, yeah. Light. absolutely crystal you mentioned how you love collaborating with suppliers and getting their ideas too there's been sort of two paths in the industry one where automakers work with a multitude of suppliers to work on an interior or just work with one. Where do you see it going? Which path do you think the industry will go down? Right, well, we'll see. I, I've, I've seen it done in, in multiple ways uh, in my career at General Motors, uh, one being with JCI having a little bit more of the work on, on the recent Impala. But you know, just looking how we design our vehicles from a global perspective, we there is a lot of value in making sure that, that we have positioned our design centers, 10 design centers globally. I mean, I've, I've watched this transition that Ed Wilburn has put in place, and it really allows us to be more competitive, more collaborative, but most importantly, very connected to the customer. So in the future, look, looking at the supplier, really looking at where they are positioned as well to get closer to the customer and their needs. 
Huh, and of course, I'm sure at JCI, you'd love to take the whole interior on, on a program. But I know there was an issue with automakers feeling that they were giving too much to the supplier yeah. to do and that they were losing some in-house capabilities. Yeah. So, so where, where do you see this so, going? So first of all, it's always in a partnership. And we're happy with a door panel program. We're happy hmm. with a total interior. It's regionally different. We've seen total interiors with us happening in, the North, in North America and Europe, but very much in e Asia as well with our Asian customers. And, uh, and, and we're, not, we're not in this game to take over the, the design and the responsibilities for all of that, but we're, we're to, here to support and to make sure that we can industrialize the vision that our customers, design studios have in a way that we can manufacture it fast and easy and for the right price. We're concerned about, um, we call them white box programs, where basically all the design and engineering happens at the customer, at the OEM, and we're just there to manufacture it because we usually end up in a lot of small and big changes because the design is not feasible for our manufacturing processes and materials. So that's what we want to avoid. That's what we want to engage earlier Early. to work and support mm -hmm. our customer. Mm -hmm. Same thing that you've been saying, Rick. You can do a great job for the car companies and suppliers as long as you get in early. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can help if you want to put a gym or a stove inside of your car. I'm waiting for the, auto I'm waiting for the autonomous car. I'm eager to see it. But, I mean, that really does open up the space, right? And, and so you can do a lot more with it, which is exciting from the design side and, and uh, the supplier side. But definitely Optus is there to enable it, right? So if they come up with a design, uh, we're ready to validate that design and enable and proof it and then send it off to JC and let them build it. And also Absolutely. help them figure out how to interface how to, how to, with all these yeah. touch screens and the like. Absolutely. Absolutely. How to bring all of the technology inside the vehicle, how to manage all of the different reflection issues or driver perception related issues. Real good. Well, I'm afraid we're running out of time here, but I want to thank you all for having come in. Very interesting discussion of what's going on in design. I'm especially intrigued on these autonomous cars. Uh, I, I think it's going to be transformative for the automotive industry. I know there's plenty of hardcore enthusiasts out there who never want to see a car that can drive itself, but I think uh, this technology is coming faster than anybody realizes. Anyway, I want to thank you all for having come on today. Rick Comiskey, Han Hendricks, Crystal Windham, really great having all of you on AutoLine this week. Thank, thank you, you, John. Thank you. thank you. And I want to thank all of you for having tuned in, and join us again here next week, too. Auto Line This Week is underwritten in part by and endurance. We're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge.